Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. anyone walking in out of that place, I was like, ah, note to self, don't end up like that. How do we not end up like that? Because he's gone. He's in eternity. By asking for the right things, the eternal things. When we're more like Jesus, we forgive. We're not bitter. When we're more like Jesus, we're gentle and we're kind, not harsh and wrath. A soft answer turns away wrath, but an angry spirit stirs it up. So, when we say, the Lord asks you, what shall I give you? And you think about that on September 3rd, 2022, whether you're younger or older tonight, the answer is everything. And if you think, like, I really want wealth or temporal things, so I can worry about it, and the government can take it with their new IRS agents or whatever, then fair enough if that's what you want to ask for. But that's all going to be taken away. Solomon had all of his wealth, and he said in Ecclesiastes at the end of his life, you save up all this money, you work hard, you build a business, it's an incredible business plan, and that knucklehead kid's going to wreck it all. That's a paraphrased version, but that's basically what he said. And wouldn't you know that's exactly what happened? Because Rehoboam, his son, the son of the Ammonitess, he came to power, and wouldn't you know that political allegiance of Pharaoh and Pharaoh's daughter, first thing Pharaoh did after his son-in-law died is come invade the, the relative. As soon as Solomon died, Pharaoh shows up and he invades Israel. And what does he do? He takes the gold shields of Solomon. He came and took the gold shields. And what does Rehoboam do? When you're dumbing down, you make bronze shields. He didn't expand the kingdom. He retracted it. He was in unbelief. He didn't have the faith of his father or his grandfather, David. He was retracting. So he's got bronze shields. And he came and enjoyed the bronze shields. He puts them away and locks them up every night. He brings them out in the morning. Look, my bronze shields, like my, my bronze medals for Team USA. Trust me, gold's better than bronze. And there it is. And then at night, we're told, we'll see this as we go through kings. He'd pack them up and put them away. When you think temporal, you get temporal. And Pharaoh takes what's yours. And you end up with bronze. You don't have faith, you're unbelief, and you offer up offerings to idols. Listen, when Jesus is Lord of everything, he's making you like him. And you're forgiving, you're gracious, and you're storing up treasures in heaven. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Solomon was really smart. In his self-awareness, which is a word I got when I did all that training with the U.S. Olympic Committee, but it is a good phrase, self-awareness. When the Lord said, what shall I give you? In his self-awareness, he said, I am but a little child. He talked about God's faithfulness to his dad. He understood the legacy he received as the son of the king. And he said, I am but a little child in verse 7. Now, he's a king over Southern California. And he's not building debt. He's building wealth. He built wealth. Like, Solomon is like, and he wasn't a socialist. He was a capitalist. He built wealth, and he built wealth. He strengthened his army, and he protected his wealth. And the kingdom expanded its borders, and it thrived like never before. Geopolitically, he was brilliant. But now he's on the throne, and he says, I'm but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. I don't know how to govern. I don't know how to serve the Lord. This is a great responsibility. My dad took a census 
and he shouldn't have, and 70,000 people died in three days. We can't number the people I'm over. I, I can't take the census, you know, because kings like census because it's taxes, right? Jesus is going to be born. What does Augustus Caesar do? Hey, count everybody so we can tax everybody. Solomon's like, we can't even count them. These are God's people. And remember, this isn't like Queen Victoria with England or Wilhelm with the third with Germany or the Prussian Empire in the 1800s. This isn't like those Austro-Hungarian kings or Catherine the Great or Peter the Great or any of them. The Romanovs, it's, it's not like that. This king is in a covenant with God. There are no, this is the uniqueness of Israel's kings. They're not kings with state religions like the Polish kings that, you know, Every king back in the day in the medieval times, and really up to about 100 years ago, they got a state church. So when Catherine the Great, the Prussian duchess, marries uh, the grandson of Peter the Great, she has to go for, they're all Christian, but she has to go from being like a Lutheran background and then be married in the Russian Orthodox faith. And that's a big deal, because remember, like, they've had a lot of wars in Europe over one thing, communion, for example. Like, they had some big wars around Luther's time over just the issue of communion. Is it really Jesus' body, or is it symbolically that? But those are all earthly kings and queens with religion. The religion of men, you understand. But this is the Lord. This is the covenant with God. When Solomon builds the temple and dedicates the temple, the Holy Spirit, the Shekinah glory of God that you're going to see when you step into eternity as a believer, it comes to him. They're overwhelmed. The priests can't even keep worshiping. The cloud fills the room. There, he's a unique king. There's lots of kings. You study the Joseon dynasties in Korea and the Chinese dynasties. There's been lots of kings and queens for 6,000 years. But this is a covenant, and that's what makes us unique. And we're in a covenant, and that's what makes us unique. We're the sons and daughters of the king through faith in Jesus Christ. We're not just part of a governmental system of men in Pakistan or India or China or Russia, Serbia, any Latin American country or citizens of the United States. The Bible tells us when we come to Christ, our citizenship is in heaven and we're ambassadors for Christ and we're under the king, we're under a monarchy. Christ reigns supreme. That flag over there with the cross, that flag supersedes that one over there with the 50 stars. I'm grateful for this one, the flag of my fathers, but this is the one that seals my soul for eternity. Blood of men was shed for this one, but the blood of God purchased us, us from this one. And there's a, well, there's no comparison. This one saves the other most. This one's a fading glory. This is a glory to come. It's that simple. Solomon, as the king of the people of covenant, knew it was beyond him. And as we prayed for Brandon and Patricia and the family earlier, we realized See, they're on the front end at 35 of like maybe 30 years of ministry. I'm on the back end at 61 of 34 years of ministry. Many of you know, it'll be 35 years in ministry in February when Brian Broderson asked me to be a pastor. And I officially became a pastor. It'll be 35 years in February, 35 years from marriage in March. Those are two big dates coming up around the corner. It went so fast. All the experiences. Now I look back, I just told someone this yesterday, I wish I could go back and do it all over again because I, I would apply all those things and don't we all feel that way? I, I would change this, I'd change that. I would have never gotten baited on that. I would have been more faithful at this and I would have definitely not done that, right? Like you, you get older, you do the same thing in ministry. But the thing about 
serving the Lord, like Solomon is serving the Lord, like the Phillips we pray for tonight, like others that have gone before us, and Sam and Joanna, we pray for Sam and Joanna, the ordination a couple of years ago, right? And all the families here, it was a big special night. Like, like, it, like I prayed that, it says in Timothy, if you desire the work of a pastor, you desire a good work. But it's a supernatural work. And the same with being a deacon, of course. And back in the 80s, when, I, when it was called in the ministry, as Greg Laurie used to say all the time, that it's not your ability, but your availability. And we have to realize that it's not our ability. It is our availability. And that Solomon said, we're all sinners, and we need to be saved by grace. And it's not by works that we're saved, but we're his workmanship as we're saved. And he's working in us, in and through us for his good pleasure. And so as we think about our lives here tonight and what we ask for, we realize his self-awareness of Solomon. He says, I can't do it. He would say, all have sinned. He would say that it's beyond him. And he was aware of his inadequacies. We see his humility and we see his fear of God. And for a man that had so much wisdom, we realize that he is crying out for more wisdom. And isn't that something special? He's already the smartest guy in the school. He's already the smartest guy. He's the smartest guy. He's going to tilt the room intellectually with anyone that comes near him. You're not Because you can go see nitwit kings, right? You're, when you go into Solomon, like the Queen of Sheba, half what I heard isn't even close to what it is. Like, there's been really bad kings in human history that have power and abuse it, and there's been some really good kings and queens that have used it well. Before he even asked for wisdom, he's already the smartest guy in the room. He did things that were incredible for his time. But he knew he couldn't do it on his own. So when the Lord said, ask what, you, what you'll do, he knew that sense of self-awareness that he couldn't do it. And it's like what Jesus said in John 15, in case we ever thought we could, because being raised, going to church, and I always had like, I earned it. I didn't understand the concept that I receive it. When Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, it is finished. And that's when I realized, like, wait, why am I trying to earn something that I have to receive? But Jesus in John 15 said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's just not a cute phrase. That's a true phrase for every believer. And I've said this about ministry, especially coming up on 35 years, that half those 35 years, I was trying to figure out how to get out of the ministry. Because if, I always tell people, if you ever doubt that Jesus is real, just try serving him and see how real the devil is. And you'll know how real Jesus is. Skip Isaac, the famous pastor from Calvary, Albuquerque, about 10 years ago at a conference in Tucson, Arizona, got up, and he's a smart guy. He's one of the smart guys in the room. And um, he was reciting statistics for pastors, 1,000 people in ministry leadership. And he's like, oh, you know, in the next year of 1,500 pastors, 1,200 are going to leave the ministry. And of those, 85% of their wives wish their husbands had chosen a different vocation than being a pastor. He has laid it out the way it is. Many are called, but few are chosen. Enter by the narrow gate. I want to go out elite with the Lord. I want to be someone that believes for great things and knows it's not me, but I, I, I believe God can do it. And I know most of you are the same way. It was William Carey, the famous missionary to India, who said over 200 years ago, 
expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And he purposely felt in his life that he wanted to go for things that were so impossible for man that they could never be his glory, but it would have to be God's glory. He knew his own inadequacies in his self-awareness. I'm but a child. When he went to India to be a missionary during the old British colonial era, his stories are just incredible. His large family, his wife actually went clinically insane when they're in India. She was always opposed to the work. His story is incredible. He had to farm these indigo plants, these red dye plants, for years while trying to be a missionary. It's an incredible story. But in the end, when he stepped into eternity, (laughs) he inspired a whole generation of young people to go out to the South Pacific, to the four corners of the world, if you will, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the rest is church history. Just that phrase, attempt great things for God, expect great things for God, inspired an entire generation of Americans and Westerners and even non-Westerners to do to believe God for great things. The sense of our inadequacy is so it's a good thing because it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, like we prayed earlier tonight. He he also requested the first thing was that strong sense of self-awareness. He also requested for divine uh, ability and dependence. So he so he recognizes like I can't do it. I'm a little child. But then he says, but what I, I know you can do it, so I'm asking you to give me an understanding heart and wisdom to judge your people, discern good and evil. So he, he specifically asked for what he needed. And again, this, if, if John 15 is you can do nothing apart from me, then the opposite of that positive is that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And that's a powerful verse in my life. Before I was truly born again, and I was like, oh, I'm going to serve Jesus in the 80s, and I was top pro surfer, and I had the little verse, that, you know, because in the 80s you could get the little sticker of the bookstore, Philippians 4.13. So I had it on my surfboard. Occasionally there's some old magazine shots you can see it if you look closely. It's a sticker. And I'd pout on, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In my mind, that wasn't like, oh, I can plant this church in Vermont and not go crazy. Or I can do this memorial for this little kid with the parents sobbing graveside. It didn't mean that to me. It meant I'm going to beat Tom Curran. It meant I'm going to be the world surfing champion. That's what Philippians 4.13 meant to me. When I lost OP Pro Final in front of 100,000 people, 40, 39 years ago in Huntington Beach, in front of 100,000 people, largest crowd ever watched a pro surfing event, and I lost to Tom Curran. I had that sticker on my board. And the whole final was like, I'm going to win because I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. And then I realized that promise was probably misapplied by my theology in 1983. That's just, it was all wrong. But as I went into ministry five years later and went through all kinds of challenging circumstances and where I had to die to myself and things that humbled me, I realized I can do this through Christ. We can do this. The first, the first funeral. Let me tell you something. When you're in ministry, the first funeral you do is like, it's the first funeral. I got up, eight people right there, no one to the right side. I'm in a pulpit. A pie like this is... This isn't going to work. I just got down with a little thing. I was like, hey, your grandmother passed away. Somebody I didn't even know, right? That was my first funeral. First wedding, I was so nervous. Oh, my goodness. Like, oh, what? you can wreck a lot of things in life. Don't wreck someone's wedding day. I'm telling you, it's like Major League Baseball, World Series, Game 3 starter. Hey, throw strikes, man. Don't walk anybody. Let's go. It's the apex of emotion, and you have no idea truly from the perspective of the minister for a wedding, how intense a wedding day is. And then when you do memorials for little kids, 
I learned I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, who is sufficient to show up graveside with a little casket and three chairs? Mom, dad, and baby brother. Who is sufficient for this? And then the same person to go back to Calvary, 2,000 students filling the, the sanctuary and explain to them and build their faith up from first grade through high school. Or when the one girl was running during P.E., and she died on the grounds right after that. And me and Scott Cunningham were the first pastors there. She died in the bathroom. And her classmate said she was talking to Jesus. And me and Brian Nixon, who's still on our board of directors, former superintendent, we prayed, and we went up to that fifth grade classroom, or that third grade classroom, and walked in there. You know what I saw the first thing I walked in that room? The classroom was set up with four squared, four kids at a table. And I walked in there and I saw that table with the missing student. And I had to tell those kids that their classmate was with Jesus. Who is sufficient to judge and discern for God's people? Who is sufficient to fill in for Pastor Chuck? I did once, but never a second time, which is never a good sign, by the way. <laughs> when you fill in once, I got, you know, well and all. You know, like, uh, who's sufficient, right? Oh, my goodness, and now I'm 61, I'm almost in eternity, so I'm really glad I committed to the Lord. Aren't you? And aren't you glad for the decisions you made that you know you couldn't do it, but God would equip you to do it, and you're doing it? So whether you're ministering to Muslims from Afghanistan and San Diego all day, or you're doing this, or you're doing that, and whatever the Lord has for you, aren't you glad that's what you're doing, or you're going to Afghanistan getting off a plane, Jennifer, and the people don't pick you up at the airport in Kabul, but aren't you glad you did that? I'm glad you did. I felt like we did it with you. You will never regret attempting great things for God and expecting great things from God and knowing you can't do it. Bruce, you're a deacon in this time of your life, right? You hit the 70s and now you're a deacon. Hey, you stepped up and got it done. Chris Gonzalez always says, whatever's next. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad this is the way it's meant to be with the kingdom? So when the, you, the Lord says, what shall I give you? You say, hey, I can't do it. Good. But you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So ask for the things that he equips you to do what he wants to do with your life because it's over so fast. You see, it's, you'll never regret the things and realize that it's the Lord. Mm. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And ultimately, what God really has is a greater blessing. That's, I love this because the last thing we see, so that awareness that we can't do it, but then realizing, asking for the right things, the empowerment by God to do it with man, it's impossible. With God, things are all possible. Our ability truly is our ability. Faith in attempting great things and believing God for great things and seeing a better future than the past that we walked in here with today. September 4th is a greater future for me in the kingdom of God than September 2nd. That's how I see it. And I'm going to see it that way to my last day. It says here, God says, because you asked for these things, verse 11, and you've not asked for long life or riches or the life of your enemies, I'm going to do according to it, but I'm also going to give you riches and honor and all this stuff. But you, you need to walk with me, which is part of it. But I really love how the Lord said, I'm going to bless you beyond measure. See, Solomon asked for the one thing that really mattered, and then God gave him that, and he said, I'm going to give you so much more. And we haven't sung that song for a while, but you're a good, good father. It's a beautiful song. We all love that song, right? Like, that's such a popular song on all the radio stations not so long. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. 
And, and Jesus said, it's the Father's desire and will to bless us. He's a good father. It brings him good pleasure to bless us. I love my kids, and I definitely love my grandkids. And I, I think about how to bless them. And any extra wealth, I'm thinking, like, how to spend it on my kids and my grandkids. Any wealth I'm building, it's to form my kids and grandkids. Not that they go to bronze shields, but they can multiply gold shields, I suppose, in faith with Jesus, the spiritual things. God is good. You just think how we naturally want to bless our children and our children's children. And that's just not even a shadow of the fullness of how God wants to bless us. And if you don't know those relationships or you don't have healthy relationships from your parents, that's the way it was. But you need to know God is good. He's a blessing God. I love the story of Elijah and Elisha because Elijah was the great prophet. And before he stepped into eternity, his right-hand kick, his right-hand man there was Elisha. And he asked Elijah what, what he'd have. And he said, I want a double portion of what you got. You're the greatest prophet of all time. I want to be, I want to take that to another level. That's pretty awesome, right? And you say, oh, I want all the wealth in Israel. He goes like, hey, I want a double portion of God's power in my life that you have. And in fact, that's exactly what he got. God gave him a double portion. So much so that when the raiders came that one time, Elisha's uh, body raised the dead. Like he touched the, the, they touched the coffin of his body and someone was raised from the dead. It's pretty amazing, huh? <laughs> your, your casket or your cremated stuff over here and someone touches it and it raises from the dead. That's big time Old Testament stuff right there. A double portion. See, it says in Ephesians 3.20 that God is able to do above and beyond all that we could think or ask for his glory in his church. And this is how we need to think. When I think about Brandon and Patricia and what God has for them and, and calling to ministry in South Orange County and Dana Point and stuff, I don't see the cost of high cost of South Orange County. I see people being saved. I see the relationships with people at Doheny. I see the moms at the public school. I see the kids with other kids. Like, I, that's what I see. I see a growing kingdom. When I see Garrett going to Texas with all of his stuff yesterday, I, I see where it's un, unpacked in a whole new beginning, and he's a pastor, and God's going to eventually do a great work in the Fort Worth area. I'm sure of it with these pastors that have gone down there. I'm sure of it. God is able to do abundantly above and all that we could think or ask in our personal life and in his church. And so this, when we think about what would we ask, just know that God, in the end, we realize we can't do it. We realize we need to ask for the power to do it. But then we realize, ultimately, it's not an arduous thing, but it's a blessing. God wants to bless us. David said in the psalm, taste and see that the Lord is good. So I can imagine him talking to Solomon, saying, Solomon, you're super smart. And you're going to be geopolitically, like, off the charts. You're just gonna, you're gonna be incredible. You're gonna have gold shields everywhere. You're just gonna be incredible. All the people that come bow down to you, people are gonna bring you monkeys for your zoo, you know, like you're just incredible. But he said, I want you to know something. Solomon, you need to know the Lord is good. And everything he wants to do in your life is good. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. And he wants to bless you, and he's gonna bless you. So walk in the ways of the Lord, which is what he said to Solomon in chapter two. And now God in the dream says, You just walk in the ways, and it'll all be good. God wants to bless. And I don't want to come short of any blessing. I've watched a lot of people step into eternity. And it reminds me that I'm stepping into eternity. We're all stepping into eternity. And when that day comes, I don't want to come short of any of those blessings. I just don't. I already feel like I've missed some, right? Like, how can you be 61 and not feel like you've missed something and certain things along the way? Like, oh, I'm so immature with that. Why does that bother me? Like, gosh, I can't change any of it. Forgetting what behind... 
I look forward to what lies ahead to the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we can do. So we just go forward with believing God for great things, expecting God for great things, and knowing he's not done. And we have to give the life. We can be filled with the Spirit. We can ask for his Spirit. We can be empowered and equipped. And we can finish stronger than we... we tomorrow can be stronger with the Lord than anything ever was in our past. And we need to believe that way. We can't limit the future of God's work in our life to some great thing in the past. And we can't limit the future of God's work in the church to some great thing in a tent back in the 70s or something or anything else like that. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we just need the seed of a mustard. We just need the faith of a mustard seed. All, Jesus said, all things are possible if you believe. So we want to believe. We want to believe that we can't do it ask for the things that he'll give us so we can do it and believe him to bless us beyond measure because he's a blessing God in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, Visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, You can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.